0: Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your Week in IndyCar guest episode brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. Who do we have? Well, we do have someone who loves himself some Cooper Tires. That's thanks to some mighty fine work. Tony Kotman has done, will do, I think we will always do, on the road to Indy. But hey, you're one of those former IndyCar team people like me. IndyCar official and such, and what's the main reason we have your beautiful New Zealand self on the show this week? Well, you make motor racing circuits, Tony Koppman, including ones that go over bridges like in Nashville, and boy, folks have been looking forward to connect with you and learn more about the Music City Grand Prix. So let's start with the basics. How you doing, my friend?
1: I'm doing good,
0: Marshall. Good morning. Glad to be here
1: and uh, look forward to it.
0: All right. Well, why don't we dive right in? We'll just make it real uncomplicated. Our pal JJ Gertler asks, did the organizers begin with a kind of a general layout or did you start with a city map and draw your own circuit? Curious how the general seeds of the music city grand Prix layout took place.
1: Yeah. Interesting question. That's actually, I get asked a lot and, um, the reality is that, like any city, you kind of drive around looking for some corners or some pieces of the street or some wide roads or things like that that might be interesting in a circuit and then try to piece them together. And obviously, in this one, it was a little bit the same but different because the Titans uh, are involved, and obviously, we're using a lot of the Titans facility. Um, and therefore, um, everything has just become an extension from that facility, and then just trying to, um, from there, figure out how it makes it, how to make it raceable. And honestly, it just ended up the way it, the way it did because um, trying to deal with straightaways and corners, and you know, hoping people pick different downforce settings and all those type of things. So, that's pretty much it.
0: One more here, similar design-centric thought, and it's not the only design question, but on this theme, Windy Car asks, what was the hardest trade-off, Tony, uh, that decision you had to make in coming up with the Nashville circuit where you wish you could have either had both options, but something had to give? Were there some alternate layouts or or corner usages where you're like, oh, this is going to be amazing, but for whatever reason, had to be taken off?
1: uh yeah i don't think that i that there was a layout that i had to completely um throw away once we kind of got the basics of the one we ended up with there's always trade-offs and i would say the biggest trade-off is in this situation the promoter has funded the repairs for the streets and the streets in nashville are terrible So the amount of work and expense has been quite vast. And if you look at it from the trade-off perspective, do we pave this portion? Do we pave these corners? Do we pave this section of road? Versus, man, I'd really love to have that sidewalk moved or I'd love to have a curb trim back. We've done those type of things as well. Um, But yeah, like any track, I think there's always things that you'd like to, you know, little niggly things that come along that you'd like to change or 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 refine, should I say? Um, so you know, like any temporary circuit, there's always going to be trade-offs, and I would say those have been the two biggest things there. Is you know, you just it costs money, it costs big money to uh, to repave roads and and that kind of thing. So there's obviously a limit.
0: So I joked before we started recording that I was pleased to mention that my prediction for one a minimum of 1,000 questions of uh, what plans are in place to catch indie cars if they happen to go over the side of the bridge um, we came in at less than a thousand questions there so I'll just pose that one and have seen that some call it standard uh, barriers are already in place across the bridge but this seems to be a area of significant fascination Tony I know you've probably been asked it a million times already but let's talk about that hey you've created this awesome course where we're not just covering a a little pond or a puddle but a significant stretch over water and high above that water what do you where do you start with the safety aspect and do things go beyond just erecting fencing there Are there folks below in boats? Uh, Tell us about this.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, great question. uh, The question has been asked a lot. And I think there's really uh, three things I want to cover. One, we have and are using the absolute latest safety system. Uh, This is the first time in the U.S. that we've used it on a temporary situation, temporary solution. And when you see it, you'll realize why well, it's the best. It's very, very good. It's a Geerbrog system Geobrug designed out of, out of Switzerland. Um, so number one was to everything's about mitigating risk. So number one was, what is the best option out there and the best solution? Let's do it. Number two, I know everybody looks at it from the peripheral of we're going it's, it's a bridge. but when you've got the barrier and fence up, and maybe you could ask a driver this, but you look at it more like it's a racetrack. And you don't look at it like I'm going over a bridge because it's not like you go up a new peak and you drop off the other side. You know, it's, it's quite gradual. Um, just like you would just like going up the hill at Road America or something like that. Um, and so I look at it from it's a racetrack. When you've got the walls and the barriers up, it's a racetrack. God forbid, you know, something major does happen. Um, I, I think that that the the safety system is absolutely up to it, the way it's tested, uh, the design of it, and how it fastens together uh, is really quite remarkable. It takes a lot longer than we used to to install because there's so many methods of of, um, of tying everything together and tying it up. And we do have, um, you know, ALS boats and medics and divers and every other thing under the under the sun uh, below the bridge, just as we would have at, you know, Saint Petersburg. If a car went off into the water, we have divers there, just as we would at Detroit. Anywhere where there's water that IndyCar races, it's typically standard practice. But here, because of what they have, it's above and you know above and beyond others. And um, but obviously that's uh, certainly not uh, you know top of mind. Expecting something that catastrophic.
0: So my suggestion on Twitter a few days ago that you all have engaged the Nashville Bass Fishers Association to stand tracks a uh, bridge side with big uh, fish nets to catch cars that appears to have been uh, hashtag fake news. Um, stay here for just a second, Tony. You mentioned about the barriers being the latest and greatest. What is it about them? Uh, talking about evolution, whether it's design, whatever it might be, what is it about uh, the the barriers and the fencing placed along the bridge? And I would I assume correctly that these are throughout the entire course or those specific to the bridge? What makes this uh, new system you mentioned uh, different, better, or unique?
1: Yeah, I think, um, look, at the end of the day, the cement barriers are very similar. Um, anywhere we go, you know, these are nine thousand four hundred pounds each, which is which is typically right in the range that most are. What's unique about them is it's not just a barrier filled with concrete, or it's not just a mold filled with concrete. It's a mold filled with reinforcement, with huge big steel ends that that tie each other together. And so if a car does get into the barrier and the barrier acts as a, uh, we call it the first line of defense, right? So the barrier reacts, meaning it can move. The amount of movement on these barriers is far less, number one. And number two, the the pure strength taken to pull them apart is pretty excessive. So, um, and combined with that, it's all fastened in to become one complete safety system. So the, the, the debris fence panel, which is mounted to the top of the barrier is actually bolted to the top of the barrier. And then each post is bolted to each other. And then the mesh on the front of the, um, on the racetrack side of the, of the fence is high tensile steel. And each panel, if you will, Um, has like a helix coil that then we have to fasten all those panels together. So when I say it's time consuming, trust me, it's time consuming. But when it's done, it's an incredible system. Um, It's, um, you know, passed some pretty stringent FIA tests where they, you know, they throw large balls into the fence, massive 750 kg balls, and try to, you know, see what you can break and um the company that designed it is actually in um um you know they originally designed the mesh for things like rock falls on highways and things like that wow that's what that's what it's designed around so um you know i'm pretty confident we have the best out there and um from that perspective uh, you can't do much better
0: amen to that all right, why don't we move on to Tim Glass? Says Tony, I'm a city planner, so naturally I spend way too much time laying out circuits in my communities. Uh, he says, My practical concern is the length of time to set up and tear down a street circuit. Asks, Have you seen cities and promoters uh, address business interruptions, uh, both concrete and steel blocking access, as well, say, to traffic management? curious as a city planner about any other practical issues like that which complicate your choice of routing setting up and tearing down etc good question from Tim it's the non racing stuff but it's the infrastructure side where you go yeah this is a lot of work yeah that's an
1: excellent question and the, and the answer is it is a significant amount of work for three days of, of on track you know um,
0: how long do you figure what's what's the current planner estimate from the uh, putting up to tearing down, start to finish?
1: Uh, it's about three weeks in and it'll be about 10 days out. So, you know, you're, you're pretty much a month by the time you have from start to, to having everything removed. Um, like any city, the difficulties are maneuvering around businesses. So, um, you know, to minimize interruption to businesses and to minimize interruption to traffic, in this situation, we build the track at night from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. And because it's Nashville and there's so much going on down here, we don't do any work on Friday or Saturday nights because there's too much traffic all night. It's cra- The place is crazy. And so from that perspective, it's an incredible place to have a race. But selfishly, um, we can't work seven days a week. We can only work five because of the, uh, because of the hooligans downtown so um you know and combined with that uh nissan stadium has their own events going on they have a soccer event coming up the weekend the very next weekend and the weekend right before the race there's a garth brooks concert so you can imagine that um they need Their parking spaces and their, you know, all everything that's part of the events to be open and usable, and we're trying to come along with barrier and block everything in, because selfishly from a racing perspective we want our course defined and and built up as early as practical, but in this situation it's not practical to build up a lot of things around the stadium or in the pits or the or the paddock area until the week of the event because of the other events going on. So it's not like Garth Brooks is some podunk group coming to town, you know, (laughs) uh, it'll, it'll be, uh, it'll be packed. So um, from the planning perspective, those type of things have, have probably been very difficult or at least put some pressure on both sides. But, um, um, you know, we've tried to, we've tried to be, um, good players, do what we've said, and and um, we're at actually at the point now where it's we've done a lot of stuff around the stadium and we've put the barrier on the bridge, but it's time to go back downtown over the other side of the bridge. So one more night on this side and we'll be, we'll be up downtown a little bit uh, messing with, with a few corners there.
0: I love it. I'll ask this. I'll throw this one in. I've heard there's been at least one driver, I would assume maybe more, who've done some simulator time on the nashville layout and offered some feedback can you share some insights on that tony because if i'm thinking about and maybe you can share some of the former street circuits that you've uh, created that would be a modern development right uh 10 years ago it named the place or fifth, whatever amount of time might not have had the ability to use virtual methods to possibly tune or tweak things a little bit on the layout but what has that process been like in getting the uh, the circuit finalized?
1: Yeah, things have changing. There's definitely times are changing for sure. And, you, you know, there's a few more tools. I think that um, it's a new track, so obviously things are going to be different. There's no previous expectations, but you do get uh, some feedback about specific things. I mean, you know, these these guys go around and put a lot of time into what they're doing on the simulators, and and um um you know there's a there's there's always um feedback on man this corner would be nicer or different or better or more raceable if you could do x the challenge to that is it was probably that way because you couldn't do x and um without tearing up and removing a lot of a lot of infrastructure um you know we're stuck with a we're stuck with a few things so um um, there's definitely, uh, you know, there's been a couple of, uh, couple of comments that have been offered that'll be helpful, and and uh, we've discussed with IndyCar, and you know, some of the, uh, some of the things we've got are, are doable, movable, changeable, um, but um, you know, a lot of the infrastructure is there, and we've we've just got to figure our best way to work around it while, while uh, making it the best track we can.
0: Let's go to Carl Vella. He says, "Hey, first time sending in a question. Thanks, Carl, for that." He says Tony, "What are the areas in the Nashville track you feel might be the best passing zones?" And he also offers uh, nice thoughts and ongoing prayers for my wife.
1: I think, without question, um, you can you can see uh, most of the grandstands and um, particularly located uh, down Turn Nine. So you come off the bridge and come down to Turn Nine and. The track is really, really wide, uh, pretty wide. Exit to the corner, large runoff area, so pretty inviting. Um, it's interesting. The runoff area for that that corner actually goes up on top of another bridge. So there's a there's a bridge that goes over the freeway, but nobody has ever commented anything about that bridge. Hmm. But um, there's so much room there. We've used a significant amount of room and left it wide open. So anybody that's sitting anywhere near that turn um you know particularly at the start of the race it's going to be an incredible sight and um um you know you, you you sit down there and you can watch traffic go both ways so i think uh in my opinion uh turns 9 turns 10 turns 4 uh are the prime uh are the prime overtaking spots and and um you know, hopefully there's going to be going to be plenty of
0: action. Related to this, Tony, our friend Sarah Morrell, she uh, asks, "Where is the best spot to watch the Music City Grand Prix with a general admission ticket?" I know Sarah, her husband Jeremiah, and some friends are all planning to drive down from Greater Indianapolis to uh, spectate and enjoy. So uh, you might have just mentioned a couple of spots for them to consider, but. With a general admission ticket, where would Tony Copman recommend folks to go and check out and watch the action?
1: Well, on the, on the same turn that we just talked about, turn nine, there is an Exxon station. And that Exxon station is obviously closed for the weekend, but it's going to be uh, general admission access right around the area. In fact, there's general admission access on a, on a, most corners on, on the uh, stadium side of the river. You can pretty much uh, line the fence. But if you want to see them coming tails or going tails away and coming head head on to you going on and off the bridge, then uh, I would go somewhere down by turn nine on the inside of the track and I would stand up against the fence there and I think you'll get more than your value for money.
0: I love it. Let's see. You spoke about some repaving and whatnot uh, being done by the organizers. Brian Smith adds, people I've spoken with in Nashville say they can't believe We're going to try and race across the bridge because of how rough it is over the joints in the road. Can you talk a little bit about anything that might be done to avoid a situation where uh, we've effectively got a ramp in the middle of the road? I guess I'm having visions of uh, the original San Jose uh, champ car layout, which I loved. Railroad tracks are the best, and Baltimore too. But uh, he's curious about could any of those uh, abutments in the joints be problematic? Or is that something you and your team have looked in to fix for the event?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's um, look, the the real bad areas were the um, joints on either end, uh, the expansion joints on either end of the bridge. And then the transition, the bridge is concrete, and then when you get off the bridge, it's, it's asphalt. So those transitions were not good for racing. So there's been a lot of work done there. There is definitely bumps on the track without question um i think our job is to make sure that we don't end up with non-raceable bumps like railway tracks and um you for sure know you know you go over an expansion joint you can hear it you can feel it um there are different types of expansion joints on the bridge which when you're running over them in a passenger car make a different sound because uh how they're made um some of them have a a rubber joint uh expansion joint some of them have metal plates that are pretty close together um and um we're still working on we've still got uh, a little bit of work to do on each end of the bridge so when we have the streets closed here next week doing the barriers down the center line we will um uh, continue working on that situation so i think um you know, I'm certainly not here saying it's going to be billiard, billiard table smooth because it is not. It is bumpy. Um, there are bumps for sure. But, um, um, you know, hopefully we've done a good job of spending the money in the right areas, um, you know, to mitigate any any issue. And I'll be first to raise my hand and say, um, you know, it's racing who knows what's going to happen, right, uh, until they until they run over. So, um hopefully we've done, uh, done our homework and, and, um, you know, done the best job we, best job we can, at least, uh, in
0: year one. Billiard smooth tracks suck, Tony, right? You need, you need a little bit of character, a little bit of seasoning, a little bit of adversity to, uh, add some spice to events. What do you go yeah, to? You
1: need some, you need some character, all right? But, um, you know, it's one of these things, right? It's, If you're having a good weekend, you don't mind the bumps. If you're having a bad weekend, the bumps are shit.
0: They're the problem. Yeah. Uh, Oh, my God. You get rid of the bumps, my car's on pole, and I win the race, of course.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, without naming tracks, there are some tracks that we go to that are really, really, really bumpy. Um, And so, um, you know, we just got to put it all in perspective.
0: Casey Kirkstra asks, any expectations in terms of tire degradation for the circuit? I know this might be a little bit more on the the series side, but uh, you're a guy who knows well about such things. He says, is it expected to uh, create DEG like we see at Belle Isle, or maybe is you thinking something more like St. Pete or Long Beach? Also curious if you uh, and your team consults with Firestone in any capacity about uh, tire thoughts or constructions and whatnot.
1: Um, No, everything to do with the tire manufacturer is dealt with through IndyCar um tire degradation from the perspective of wanting a good show i hope like hell this tire degradation i would expect it um because you know firestone has proven that they hold the key um you know between you know they've pretty much got dialed in between the reds and the blacks now or prime and alternate whatever they're known as and um, you know they hold a key to the to the racing, so I'm sure the race length or the distance and uh, and the pit stop windows and tire dig and all that's been taken into account from IndyCar. And um, you know, do I think that the surface creates more degradation than others? No, um, you know, Turn Nine's probably pretty quick, so laterally, pretty uh, you know reasonably aggressive, but, um, um, look, it's a street circuit. There's a lot of point in squirt, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I don't see why it'll be any different than anywhere else. And as I said, tire degradation is a good thing for, for, for a race fan, for a spectator.
0: Got a fun little note sent in here from Cooper tires said no questions from us. We just love Tony Copman. I second that notion, right?
1: Uh, it's, it's nice to have biased people in the room.
0: hundred percent. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, let's see. A couple more here, uh, brother, and then we'll, uh, we'll let you back to uh, doing good things. Uh, Neil Joseph, fantasy question, says, Tony, if you could design a track in any location in the world, where would it be and why?
1: Well, I'm kind of jealous about the, Formula One track in Saudi Arabia. Um, what a beautiful area. That track is going to be spectacular visually. And for me, anywhere like that, that um, showcases something, whether it's the buildings, the ocean, both, um, you get the feeling that you're you're physically driving right at the ocean um you know there's been a couple of places we have looked at over past years rio de janeiro that would would have been incredible um from the perspective of the visual aspect because let's be honest um racing is a part of the re- of the weekend now and maybe for us older race fans that's you know where races and racing is the weekend but i think you know there's probably a majority anymore where It's just part of it, part of what goes on, and a lot of it's about the city and how the city's showcased, and those things are are more important. So for me, I'm really, really keen to see how the Saudi Arabia track comes out because uh, the location is stunning.
0: I think uh, we'll stay similar zone here. Theista Becker asks, Tony, what track for you anywhere in the world comes close to perfection?
1: Well, I used to think it was Yas marina um, but again, while I didn't necessarily agree with all the corners, I liked it because of some of the features that were found within the paddock area and at that time everything was state of the art went under the hotel, had garages where you could have the doors open but the AC still worked things that were just incredible at the time mm. And, and so at that time, for me, it used to be Yas Marina. Um, but as more and more and more high-dollar F1 tracks come along, um, they up the game, you know. And um, will there ever be perfection? It depends whose eyes you're looking through. Um, uh, perfection to the racers, you know, and, and, and depending on which series you're in, right? I mean, you know, we in IndyCar, it's a lot about, the show the show is is very important and um formula one it's about you know other things technology and smooth tracks and so forth so um it's more challenging for an IndyCar driver I guess it's a good question for the drivers if they like the challenge or they'd rather have high grip high lateral load smooth corners um I know what I prefer from a racing perspective but um There's some tracks that are incredible, but they'll never be perfection if you're always chasing a goal.
0: Going to take one or two more track-related questions, and we're going to close off with uh, some open-wheel stuff directly for you. Uh, Sam Johnson, again, another uh, bit of a fantasy thing. If money and politics were no object, Tony, what former street circuit uh, layout would you most like to see return to the calendar? Mm -hmm. So... Knowing that you've done some good work over the years of your own, you obviously have friends in the uh, circuit design uh, arena. Are there any that if you could flip that switch, it'd be back on an IndyCar calendar? Who knows, whatever calendar?
1: Uh, I don't know any, uh, you know, just off the top of my head, I'm not sure I know any that stand out. I think that uh, what is interesting now is there is a general trend developing to get back to more, um, of the natural racing facilities, meaning, you know, starting or at least trending away from massive asphalt paved runoff areas, and the argument of which leads to the argument of track limits and things like this. And now with with tracks and and new ones, uh, particularly, um, you know, it's getting back to you drop a wheel in the grass, you're in the grass, and, and and obviously, there's a lot of safety uh, aspects that go into it. But um, So, I mean, I, I think a lot of it probably depends on which generation you grew up in, right? There's a lot of hardcore fans that probably have their favorites. And, and it doesn't matter what comes along. They will never change because either they went there with their family, have good memories, it's close to home, or just love the place. And you probably ask the young, younger generation, and it has to do with the places like Long Beach where I can go and sit in a, you know, sit and take a selfie next to the track and have my feast of racing in five minutes and then go and drink and do whatever else for the rest of the day. So I know I didn't really answer the question, but there's nothing off the top of my head.
0: I'll throw it in, Sam, the Savannah Indy Lights street course from the late 90s. So... I, that just came to mind because it's really obscure. Um, why don't we stick with indie lights Tony knowing that you uh, you are, are the judge and executioner in race control there. Uh, kidding aside great season great reboot after a year off for indie lights. Car count is up some new safety uh, provisions obviously with the halos coming into the cars. one whale of a championship battle right now between andretti autosport the uh, grg hmd folks, some other good challengers rising up just in a general sense knowing that on top of making racing circuits happen you've also had a, a lot of years whether it's from a steward standpoint race control design you name it give us a general tc thought on this uh, 2021 indy light season so far
1: yeah it's been pretty good i mean obviously the the, um, uh, the contenders are coming to the top, right? So I think it's going to sort itself out here pretty soon. Indy Lights has a next event is at Gateway, and it's a double header, two races on the oval for one and a half times the points on the, each race. So could be a deal-maker or a deal-breaker for somebody, um, depending on how good a weekend you have. It's good to see the resurgence. I think it's needed. I like it. I obviously support it. And, um, you know, you, you have your, I think it's, uh, it's been working. The system has been working and, and we've been really lucky because a lot of the Indy Lights drivers have made it to IndyCar or had, there's been openings at IndyCar probably more than ever over the last few years. You know, there's some years you go year after year after year and it's just never an opening. So, um, yeah, it's great. It's, um it's a good series to be involved in and uh, and obviously i enjoy it
0: last thing knowing that you were part of the uh, iconic committee uh that helped make the uh, delar dw12 what it is a question from steve grinstead saying mr cotman is there any one thing you'd love to see incorporated into the next indycar chassis So don't know if you've been asked to be part of that iconic part two or whatever else, but uh, just in a general sense, any things you think uh, definitely need to be part of the next generation DW23, 24, 25, whatever it ends up being.
1: That sounds like a question that could get me in trouble pretty easily.
0: We're not going to let you off easy, man. These all been, uh, you know, pretty (laughs) slow pitch over the plate for you
1: but I'm going to go with more horsepower. I think that is a must. I think it's critical. Um, and I think it will, it will, um, uh, further develop and improve the racing and really put the, in the racer's hands. So for me, um, you know, I'm not sure where they're at or what they're doing totally, but more horsepower.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. My only concern, if, if there's a concern is I know what the target is. I know that they want to start off at 900 ish with, uh, hybrid deployment being part of that uh, total number, but you always worry if that's too high of a goal to start and if that will be fully achieved. So I hope that it is. I hope, hope, hope. Mr. Copman yeah, thank you as always, my friend and do appreciate you getting a smarter and hopefully uh, easing some fears about IndyCar drivers needing to wear wetsuits or go swimming or whatever during the uh, music city Grand Prix. And, Can't wait for this event to to kick off and hopefully live up to the true. What do you think, mate? Some of the highest expectations I've seen for a new event. I mean, uh, I I don't know if I can recall anything like it in a really long time.
1: Well, it's probably two reasons. One, we haven't had one for a while, right? Oh, there's uh, that. And two, um, I mean, geez, could you you find a more vibrant city that is perfect to a downtown location. I mean, it's, it's the city, the city, the city. And I think at the end of the day, I, I've experienced this and I know that I've heard from a lot of people who say, I'm getting ticket requests and things from people that aren't even in races. They never call me about anything, but they want to go to Nashville. And um, looking at all the partying that goes on around here, I can see why.
0: That's why the fences are going up, to keep the crazy partiers out. Now we've finally put it all together. Tony Kopman, thank you, my friend. Thanks to Cooper Tires, as always, for their support. The Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com. We'll speak to you next week.